Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. Welcome in to InsideCarolina.com's On the Beat Live. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley, sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt, JohnnyT-Shirt.com. On to be live, of course, that means Greg Barnes and Gregory Hall joining us. Guys, and I'll start with you, Greg, straight out the gate. We all the time talk about uh, there is no offseason with Inside Carolina uh, because, quite frankly, there isn't. And you guys work long hours all the time. Um, not too many days this long, though. What would you do today, Greg, and Gregory, when we get to you? We did essentially a car wash uh, for those familiar with the uh, ESPN vernacular uh, with, with UNC football. Typically what, what happens is you know, we go through spring practice uh, and we have all the media availability there. And then uh, you know, depending on which coach is, is here, uh, you do it different ways. You always kind of have a post-spring wrap. And I know with, uh, Larry, we, we would get a lot of players in May. And the idea being, you know, right after they finish up with exams, we grab them before they, they head off uh, to home for a little bit of a break before coming back. Um, really starting with, with the COVID situation, uh, Jeremy Sharp and, and UNC, Mac Brown, have all done a pretty good job of, of getting us in touch with players and coaches during the summer. So, like, when COVID hit, because everything was shut down, we did like weekly Zooms with players and coaches, which was which was great. Um, and now that we're finally, finally kind of back to where we can see people in person, I mean, I, I don't think people realize that really it was the NCAA tournament, uh, an ACC tournament, where we finally got to be face-to-face with the basketball team. Uh, and we did that a little bit with, with spring football. Um but in kind of trying to decide how we wanted to handle the summer months, um, you know, there was the, the potential to have, you know, maybe weekly meetings uh, with, with coaches and stuff. But uh, Mac and, and Jeremy decided, hey, you know what, let's just do it all in one day. It'll be a lot. Um, but, you know, that way everybody, everybody can mark off that one day, can come to the Keenan Football Center and talk to everybody. And that way, you know, we've got ACC kickoff down in Charlotte, July 20th and 21st. And so with the dead period coming up, coaches are going to be gone for vacations. Um, so they decided that uh, today, starting at 1030, we were going to talk to every single assistant. Uh, Larry Porter was not in town, so we didn't talk to Larry. Uh, but we talked to Patrick Suttis, of course, the, the, the new general manager. Um, we had lunch with the, with the staff, including Mac, um, had some, some downtime with Mac. And then we, we, uh, had his press conference and then we talked, uh, how many Gregory, maybe 10 players. Uh, yeah, Close to it. It was, I mean, both quarterbacks, British Josh Downs were the offensive guys. Oh, and Brian Anderson were the five offensive guys. And then we spoke to 
Tony Grimes, Miles Murphy, Noah Taylor, Ray, Ray Vahasek, Cedric, and Awesome Richards and Cedric. So that's 11, 11, 11 guys. Yeah. yeah. We so got first, through them pretty quick. 10 coaches, Mac Brown, 11 players. Uh, so, yes, to answer your question, Tommy, to get around the long windedness of my answer, uh, it was what, four hours? I mean, if uh, you got there early, we left at four. So, like, it was five and a half hours spending yeah. time in Keenan Football Center, shooting, talking football with UNC. There's worse Everybody? things to do. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it was, it was a blast. Um, but it was, it was great. So, so, thanks to UNC for doing that. We've never done that before. Uh, and it was really a kind of a cool setup to, and, you know, it's one of those things, uh, fans may not recognize this, but if you have like, one meeting, let's say with, with a, you know, Dre block, we use Dre as an example, uh, on a Wednesday and we talked to him for 20 minutes. Well, then you got to wait a week to talk to somebody else. So it may be Tony Grimes. You have to wait, wait a week and you're sitting trying to say, okay, well, what exactly did I ask Dre? And what was I going to ask Tony? And then also needed to ask Mac about it. And so you have to kind of take notes, remember all this stuff. Whereas like today, everything's fresh. So we were able to talk to Gene Chizik off the bat for 20 minutes. Um, and he talked about pretty much everything. And so you've already got that fresh in your mind. And so it makes the conversations so much easier. It's much more free flowing. So yeah, it was a very good thing. And uh, there's a lot of content to come out of that. And uh, they did it, as I said, because with, with coaches going on break and a dead period and all that, we're not going to be able to talk to them until ACC kickoff, which is four weeks away. But we've, we've got a lot of content to cover uh, in those four weeks. Yeah, just a ton of stuff. ton of stuff we'll talk about on this show. Um, and, you know, I listened to the coaches, uh, Mac and Chizik and Longo's pressers. Um, we'll certainly check out all the players and everything else and all the other coaches that you guys get up on inside Carolina folks watching right now or listening and chat or listening or, or, or whatever need to check out all that content. It's always fun to hear from guys. And one thing, and I talked to Ben Sherman earlier today, nothing zoom ver no, no more virtual it's in person. And Greg, you've talked about this before that changes the game when you're interviewing and talking to people and you can't really express how much, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, and that's one of the things I, I've tried to talk to my kids about is, yeah, I'm going to sound like the old man, but when you, when your <laughs> communications are via text and Snapchat and whatever else you may use zoom, mm -hmm. uh, you lose a lot of that personal interaction and that's how you develop relationships. So just being able to ask follow-up questions and to see how players and coaches respond to certain uh, questions and that, the way they answer things and, all those things are important. Um, and so, yeah, being able to get back to that. And once we get to the point where you know, the guys are all on the podium today because we had so many in the media that were there. I don't know. There's probably 20 of us there. So it doesn't make sense to kind of do one-on-ones off to the side. But as we get back to that, then you're really kind of face-to-face. -face and then, you know, players have a much easier time kind of understanding, hey, can I trust this guy? Is he just you know, BSing me? Uh, and we can actually understand, Hey, the kid's nervous, understood. Let's try to help him through that. Uh, you can't do that over zoom. And so you, the face-to-face -face interaction is, is very important in what we do. And I think it helps on both sides. I agree. And, and Gregory, to that point, um, somebody, and people are blowing up the chat with, 
questions. Back. We'll, I know we'll try to get to all of them, but one thing is, and, and I don't see it now because it's gone so fast, but somebody asked about the confidence level and how the players and coaches were this year compared to last year. I noticed um, at least watching Mac, uh, Mac, Mac said he foresaw what was going to happen last year happen in the preseason. I'm not sure I buy that, but um, being in person with everybody, Gregory, how was that the confidence level, how they carried themselves, um, you know, this year versus last year, even though last year's clearly was the zoom aspect of it, but these guys seemed a little more less puffery, I guess would be a, be a way I saw it. Yeah. And I think the perfect example of that is go watch Josh Downs's interview, because if there's anyone that should exude extreme confidence and almost cockiness, it's him. Right. But just the way that I mean, he's like, look, like we have a chip on our shoulder and I know it's very a cliche thing to say, but just the, the vibe and the energy that you get from these players and, and the coaching staff is nobody cares more about the disappointment that they had last season than they do. Like, because they, they felt the confidence and to use your word, the puffery last year. Right. And then they, came out and lost to Virginia Tech and that just kind of derailed things and I know you can point to very close like the end of three games and the season could have looked completely different they could have been nine and four at the drop of a hat sure but like the end of the day six and seven was still the record but they, they have confidence in their own abilities and it, it's not a naive confidence like they see the way that the talent that they have they understand that but now it's that paired with okay, we had that same talent last year and we had the greatest quarterback in UNC history and we still went six and seven. Like th there's another step that needs to be taken. And since Chiswick has came in, since Charlton Warren's come in, the, at least I've gotten the sense that these guys kind of have fully understood that. And that's not to say that they're going to go out and win 12 games, right? And, and I think now, and Matt keeps talking the goals to win every game, because of course the goals to win every game. And then fluky things happen, and you can't be like, our goal is to win nine games, because then you're not going to win nine games. You're going to win six games, right? So it's just kind of that vibe. But to, to answer the confidence question, I, I think these players understand that last year was just not good, and they are going to do everything in their power to make sure that doesn't happen and feel that way again. And I, I think well, at least what we've heard and seen in the spring, those steps have been taken. And that's not to say it's fixed. Like, I'm not sitting here saying you should bet UNC over seven and a half wins, all that stuff. Right. Like, who knows? Like, this team could do anything. Right. Um, but just to answer your question about the confidence, that's definitely something that we've seen. It's not confidence in the sense of all right, we just, that stuff's going to be handed to us. It's confidence in the sense that they know what they need to do um, to try to take that next step to avoid last year, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Cause I got slapped in the face early last year. Um, and quite frankly, I'm not sure they knew how to deal with it. And, and so that, that experience will certainly help Greg. One thing that I believe Chiswick referenced and also hundred percent Mac did Max said, we're going to play to the standard. And if our standard's not good enough, if we play to our standard and it's not good enough to win every game, we got to recruit better. Um, Chiswick was one of those guys that didn't recruit much, if at all, when he was here before. Um, what stood out in any of those discussions with all these assistant coaches? I mean, Dre Bly is obviously in the middle of it. Um, and 
and Mac Brown's recruiting classes of the first two or three years are starting to come into age and all that stuff. But what did you hear today in that regard about not only getting talent, developing talent, and how important that's going to be for this team to be, quite frankly, be any good this year? Well, two things there. Number one, um, to kind of go back to your previous question to Gregory, I think it, it kind of reflecting upon everything that, that we did today, um, my main takeaway was probably Mac Brown and his quiet confidence. Um, you know, we all know Mac, uh, Mac knows how to, uh, <laughs> he knows how to handle people. He knows how to handle media. He's great with boosters. He's great with recruits. That's kind of what he's known for. Um, and even, even though he, he puts on, it's not really a front, but he puts on, you know, that, that image that's, that's everything's hunky dory and, and happy. And this is who he is. Um, you, if you're around him enough, he's just like anybody else in terms of there are times when you can kind of pick up on, he's saying things because he needs to say them, or he's saying things because he feels like he has to say them. And then there are other times when he says stuff and he flat out means it. And, and just to listen to him both, you know, on and off the record um, and some comments that he made, he really feels like this team has a chance. Um, he wouldn't come out and say, oh, oh yeah, we're going to win 10 games or whatever, nothing like that. Um, but just there were various questions that kind of came his way. Um, you know, just, just about this team and everything that they went through in the offseason and kind of the change around the program and all that kind of stuff. Um, and you could just kind of sense this, this confidence exude from him. And like he was adamant, you know, as you mentioned earlier, that he felt a lot, he feels a lot better now than he did last year. And just by looking at him and kind of hearing him say some of the things he said, uh, I believed him. He sold me on it, even though he wasn't saying anything kind of off the wall. He just really thinks, and this gets to the, the second part, and it kind of gets to your question. I think he really believes that the talent level is where it needs to be. Um, you know, are they there yet? You know, to be a national title team, probably not. But I think they're much further along than they have been in recent years. And they're getting into the conversation of, you know, this is a team that should compete for an ACC title uh, almost annually. And maybe that begins next year. It's like, okay, we know this team's really good. Uh, we'll go from there. This year is kind of that, you know, they've got to prove it this year. But the talent's there. And I think he has a ton of faith in, in Gene Chizik and Charlton Warren. Um, and that really kind of shown through that, hey, you know, there, things were not how he wanted them to be at the end of last year. We, everybody watched those press conferences. Everybody knew how frustrated he was. Of course, it makes the decision to part ways with Jay Bateman. Um, and he, you can just tell he has complete confidence in, in what Gene Chizik is doing. And then we know how successful Phil Longo and his – his crew has been, uh, you know, Jack Bicknell's very different from Stacey Searles. You hear Brian Anderson and the guys talk about how he wants to be very physical at the point of attack. He wants his guys on the defensive side of the ball, which we really never heard prior. Um, and so all these things, you and coaches were saying different stuff and kind of all alluding to this. But at the end of the day, Mac just having this, you know, 
But what happened last year is not going to happen again. I don't think there's any doubt about it because Max on top of it. Um, and he has confidence that what they've done the last six months has paid dividends. And he understands as well as anybody that they got to prove it on the field first, right? I mean, that's no doubt about that. Um, but they've done everything that they need to do up to this point to be able to take a step forward. Now, I, I, to me, that was kind of the, the undercurrent of all this today was that Mac really believes they're on the right track. A few things. Um, I had one thing that I was going to follow, and I'll, I'll say that. But, Greg, to your point about the offensive line, I'll start there. One thing that stood out to me, Awesome Richards, first of all, has matured so much and has, has, got, has really become a solid interview. I, it, was, it was cool to listen to him today and see him collect himself. But one thing that he said, I mean, he's played college football for three years. Like, he's, he's been an offensive lineman at this level for three years. And what he said about Bicknell was right away he learned how to be more, ingre- more aggressive as an offensive lineman, something that he had to learn. And he's learning that in year four. So I thought that was something that stood out to me. And then, Tommy, to your original question um, about kind of talent and development and things like that, Tim Cross was asked, just generic question, like who are some new names that might arise in your deep uh, defensive line group, stuff like that, like some standouts. And he, lo- he, he looked at the media and was like, they're not new names. The, the new names are older names now. Guys like Keyshawn Silver, who everyone knew. I mean, he was a five-star in-state recruit, right? Guys like Javari Ritzy, who played a lot last year, um, but like is poised for that kind of level. And obviously, the defensive line is probably the deepest group on the team. I know Mac today. Was it Mac who said that he was liked like every group? Like he didn't have an answer for that, right, yeah. Greg? Um, which you know, I think we can sit here and pick the groups that are going to be better than others, but he's the head coach. So he's allowed to say that, but just new names that are older names. That kind of answers your question, Tommy, about the talent level and what Greg said there. Talent talents there. I mean, if the talent gets any, if there's any more talent, it's, it's, it's like turning into those top tier programs that are there every year, in my opinion, as far as the uh, recruiting rankings and things like that. Like it, you can't get any higher. So if the wins don't come, it's, it's not from talent anymore, um, which is kind of the quiet confidence that Mac has. He's not going to come out and say, we have the talent to be great. That happened last year. And to answer someone's question about was last year's performance for being overrated underachieving is a little bit of both. I mean, you can't be voted to go first in the coastal and make the AC championship game and then go six and seven. Like that's overrated. But then there's also underachieving to where they, they should have won the Coastal. You know what I mean? Like based on everything that was happening at the beginning of the year. So it's kind of a few things there as Greg was talking to answer your question that stood out to me today. Yeah, and right. to that point, Gregory, I mean, I, I think the fact that Carolina, were they a top 10 team in end of the season? No, that's sure. being, being overhyped. Uh, but that, because being overhyped, doesn't equate to six and seven, right? I mean, I, I think several of us, I know I did pick them to go nine and three, which is probably where yeah, they should have been. I think it was 10 and two. Yeah. So I don't know, uh, Charles. I don't remember picking last year. I don't think, I don't think you did pick. Tom, I, I think you missed, I think you missed that show. <laughs> yeah, I was out. <laughs> well, I mean, well, the bottom line is uh, six and seven is not going to cut it. And we've talked about it leading up to this and, and so, so y'all's take from today being there in person is that 
Mac and this coaching staff have strong confidence that this team will be significantly better than last year. Do, do y'all agree with that statement? Yeah, and I think there's two reasons for that. One, I think the, the way the schedule lines up, they're very excited about the three games, then a bye. So I think that kind of plays a role as far as entering the season, in my opinion. Um, and then two, I don't know if the coaching staff feels this way, but this is something that kind of my takeaway is everyone has talked about Chiswick and Warren. Last year being the disappointment that it was, I mean, it, it sucks for guys like Sam Howell, right? Like he didn't, as someone who cared so much about winning, he didn't want to go out like that. It sucks for guys like Jeremiah Gimmel, you know, like guys that invested so much in that program and they just couldn't get it done. But it did lead to the parting of ways with Jay Bateman. And we never, and we never want to see anyone lose their job, but it is what it is. It's a business. Um, it led to Stacey Searles, the parting of ways with that and things like that changes that I think have given this, the players more so a confidence on the defensive side of the ball that has that then the coaches see in the players. And then that kind of leads to the coach's confidence is kind of what I've observed. And I could be completely off base, but that's just kind of been my observations to kind of give an explanation to what you just said. Yeah. And I think, I think we need to lay out a disclaimer here, Tommy. So let, let's make excuses from the get go, right? Before we even get into <laughs> July. Um, I don't think there's any question. This team is going to be, uh, better than last year's team. What does that mean in terms of wins and losses? Um, that's where it gets tricky because last year's schedule was really not all that difficult. And I, I think they ended sure. up 55th nationally strength of schedule. This year will be tougher. Um, while they have some easier games going to Boone for the second game, that's going to be tough. That's that, that doesn't mean you, they should, anybody should expect Carolina to lose that game. But they can trip you, know, screw around, and lose that game. But you're talking about Notre Dame at Miami. Miami will be good. Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is going to be good. At Wake. Wake returned everybody. They're going to be good. And then NC State uh, on Black Friday. Those are all going to be good football teams. Uh, I don't expect Carolina to lose every one of those games, but they could. And I think that's kind of the difference is you can't just look at win and loss and say, hey, you know, this team didn't equal what they did last year or whatever. I think this team will surpass their record from last season. Um, but they they may not – they may be better than what their record says. Let, let's put it like that. You know the show's getting hot if uh, we're getting trolled by the 900 numbers. Uh, looking at the uh, – <laughs> let me ask you this question, Greg. Is Gene Chizik worth two wins, his hire alone? Because I'm pretty sure they don't lose the state game last year if Gene Chizik is the, is the defense coordinator. But, but is is that hire and is Charlton Warren, those defensive hires, are they worth um, two wins? Because then that gets you to the to the eight, right? The Carolina is an eight-win program. What do you think about those hires just in that regard? probably i don't know if i would go quite so far as to say two wins because i mean if you go back to the state game carolina looked really good defensively for 59 you know, minutes 59 minutes right <laughs> um and just just did not look good after that and you know the defense did not look good whatsoever against south carolina so certainly that's one and then 
you know, maybe with how the ending of the pit game went. Um, so maybe, I, uh, I think more than anything, it's the talent level has improved. That's taking a big step forward. And I think Gene, Gene will have everybody on the same page. And I, that's one of the things is, you know, if you want to talk about schematics, is Gene at the top of the list with regard to his peers? Eh, you know, we could have that conversation. Um, as, as Max said today, and as we all know, who you know, followed Carolina long enough when Gene was here the first time, uh, Gene is a grown man who commands respect. And I think just having guys who are maybe on the fringes or maybe questioning how things were playing out last year, he'll have everybody on board. Um, I think from that, from that standpoint, yeah, I mean, I expect the defense to take significant strides. Is it going to be top 25? Uh, I'm not ready to go there quite yet, but it'll certainly be better than last year, and that should help him win a, another game maybe too. You're listening to On the Beat Live, sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt, johnnytshirt.com, Inside Carolina's one live, consistently live show. we got to do more of that. we got to have more more live podcasts. Maybe we'll do that one day. Uh, but Johnny T-Shirt, uh, hey, if you're shopping Johnny T-Shirt, and I know it's not football-related, but they got the Brady Manic. Uh, throwback jersey out there in stock got that email today they want you to come in and get those jerseys if you like the nil stuff take care of them get you some brandy manic some prairie bird manic throwback jerseys johnny t-shirt and certainly they've got you covered for everything else football season will be here i didn't look at the thread earlier i'm not sure how many days until uh, florida atlantic kicks off or florida a&m kicks off but uh it's coming so get your Johnny T-shirt gear. Take a short break for the National Guys Pay the Bills on the audio version on the Beat Live. Be right back. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. What's up, y'all? This is four-time NBA champ Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner I. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Now, it is a do-bet. Do average 29 and 11. God, shit. what'd it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Forward, the podcast, so you don't miss a thing. All right, boys, it's back with On The Beat Live. This is fun. This might be the last one in a couple weeks, um, or the last one for a little bit until we get into training camp. Um, but let's keep it going on the football side. Give me, Gregory, you mentioned Awesome Richards. Aside from him, what player commanded the most respect today in the, in the press conferences? Because I think you can tell when you interview players, especially in person, and Greg can correct me if I'm wrong, but you can generally tell who what players command respect and what players um, are leaders in that locker room. What, what players did that for you today? It's Miles Murphy every time we speak to him. I mean, it just it – Was just he is. like he was after the spring game? Because he got more, honest. More so. He was talking about how he's offended when he gets lined up one-on-one to, like, when he's just getting blocked one-on-one. Like, and that's something that he's worked with Tim Cross about. It's like, you should be offended. 
And Tim Cross told us this thing about how a lineman put his hands, an offensive lineman, like I guess one on one on one battle and put his hands up and was aggressive on a defensive lineman. And they, when they do that, they always call for a rematch. And instead of it being the same defensive lineman on the same offensive line, Miles Murphy was like, uh uh, let me in there. I want in there. Like that type of behavior out of Miles. And I know the thing that when he came on with Heels for Life, he was great and super confident. He was like, he even put me in the, the sack bet conversation last year. Like he was offended then too. But just the, the way he talks, I mean, he commands respect. He's deserved it. Second team all ICC last year. Um, the way he hand the way he carries himself as well just exudes, exudes that confidence. So to answer your question, my guy would be Miles, Miles Murphy. Who you got, Greg? I'm a big Brian Anderson fan. Um, you know, it's th- a good answer. He's been around for a long time. Um, he had every opportunity to complain and, and, uh, lean on his injuries last year with us this off season. And even last year, never did it. Uh, and I think that really speaks to the leadership. And I think the first question asked of him today was about Corey Gaynor. Um, and it was a perfect answer. Brian was like, look, you know, one of us is going to play more than the other one, probably. Uh, but we're, we understand that we're trying to make each other better. And at the end of the day, that's really what we want because if one of us is better, that's going to help the team win. Uh, and he's really kind of embraced the, the leadership role. He was a leader last year. But a lot of those guys, you know, there, was, there weren't many leaders on last year's team, and that was part of the problem. But you had some very good ones. You know, Jeremiah Gimmel, a great leader. Sam Howell was a good leader. Devon Fox, um, you know, Joshua Zudu. He doesn't have many of them. And a lot of those guys are gone. And so while you do have younger guys like Cedric Gray and, and, and the like kind of popping up into those roles, Brian's you know, one of the old heads. Uh, and uh, he's embraced that role. Um, he's, he's a straight shooter. He'll, he'll tell you what he thinks. And I, he's, just, he's somebody that we're going to lean on this year, I have a feeling. Um, and uh, he, he's always impressed me. And he, he's, he's kind of grown up and uh, become the man I expected him to become. So uh, hopefully he's, he's able to play healthy and, and uh, play a lot this year for Carolina. Isn't his story interesting, though, and doesn't his story and, and how he is this year sort of w- will be a tale for this locker room? Because you've got a guy that's been there for a long time, and now you've got a transfer that's coming in for his position. I mean, there's no other way to put it. Yeah, they sure. got Corey Gaynor for Brian Anderson's position for various reasons. Isn't, isn't that a huge tale about what we'll see, how that locker room works with how Anderson reacts to that and has reacted to that? Yeah, uh, that's a good point, Tommy, because if your leader can't handle uh, competition that came in in the offseason, what does that say about the younger guys who are stepping in and seeing other four-star and five-star guys in front of them? Um, So I think think that's a good example, good opportunity for him to set an example, but it's a good example of of the kind of locker room dynamics. So that's a good point. Yeah, you'll see see how all-in people are. Um, with how they react when they lose play in time. We saw it on the basketball side. Certain people lose play in time. It kind of goes sideways until it didn't. And, and all. Gregory, uh, Miles Murphy, uh, Awesome Richards. Did we hear anything about JQ Conley today? I know there was a ton of content. Um, one of the first questions on the YouTube chat was, what's the deal with Conley? Of course, Inside Carolina Premium Football Message Board has got the greatest source out there 
or Conley. Um, but what'd you hear today about that, uh, about him or any other guys maybe that have struggled with some injuries? So no Conley talk today. Um, but I, a little tease, I've got a in-depth thing coming out on him by the end of the month that I've been working on. Um, and this is already out there, I believe, but his trajected, trajected, projected ret- return date is that bye week. Um, so potentially that third game against Georgia State to like kind of test the waters and then should be good, should be good for Notre Dame is kind of where his training and where his rehab process is at right now. Um, that's kind of where last information I've received and can, can share with that. Um, but no talk about Conley today. That's just stuff that that's something that um, I know he's talked about. And um, I think Dina, the Tari illustrated um, she works for Tari illustrated. She tweeted out a couple of weeks ago and I can confirm that that's kind of the status of Conley. Um, now, some of the other guys, Geo Biggers is a guy that got surgery recent. That got surgery um, during the spring. And, and Ray Vahasek talked with us today. He was a guy that missed some time. Um, and I don't remember which coach exactly said it today as far as like getting healthy. And it was good that some of those guys weren't in the spring and they kind of just talked again about how some of the older guys that were hurt kind of let some of the younger guys come in. Um, like Storm Duck not being available for the full time, got to see some guys at corner like Tamir Brown, just some younger guys got some reps. Um, but I think the overall consensus is the guys that were hurt or weren't available in the spring are slowly getting healthier and healthier is kind of how some of the coaches talked about that today. Yeah, and Tommy, some of those guys that were injured in, in the spring, like JQ, um, there's not going to be a lot of information about him as a player especially because gene and charlton did get to work with him in the spring um and so i understand there there being a lot of interest in conley and as well as the entire safety crew um but as gregory said you know you got a few guys who were able to practice but the ones who didn't uh, the new coaches haven't put their their eyes on them on the actual playing field and so we're not going to get a lot of detail on those guys until they get back, hopefully, in you know, training camp. Hopefully, uh, Curious is able to practice some. You know, he, he, I expect him to be in limited and uh, you know, orange jersey, all those kind of things. Uh, but until the coaches, Chiswick and, and Warren, can really see those guys, they're not going to have a lot of insight to provide, even though I know uh, that's, that's not what the fans want to hear. Oh, yeah. You, you, you got to know. You got to know who, who's coming back, who's hurt, who's not hurt. What, Gregory? Um, I was – this isn't having anything to do with Conley or injuries, but someone asked uh, UNC's all-time average wins. Um, does 133 UNC seasons sound accurate? Yeah. So it's six and a half. It's 5.4 based, no. on, based on what I've gathered from multiple things. If uh, seven, 728 all time wins over 134 seasons, you gonna 33 make me seasons. pull out the record book, man. Gosh, well, I, someone I would, asked, so I've been I trying would, to dig here. I would wager it's probably a 55% winning percentage or something, which it's yeah, it's right around that 55.5%. Uh, but which, which is what I've been saying forever. It wasn't going. always 12 games, right? Like seasons were shorter. No, yeah, it was. Uh, so yeah. 5.4 average wins all time. That sounds about right. So 1888. So you're right on the, the years there. Um, How many total wins? 
let's see what year is this you oh, need to watch so I'm looking at, i've got a 2014 media guide here so i'm i'm well behind um i hold that's please. the that's the year i got my license oh jesus yeah so seven what 750 maybe <laughs> I don't have a media guide up here. I got a bunch of stuff. <laughs> just look at that. Look at some of these old years. <laughs> I mean, they, they played eight games in 1920. I would uh, think 55% winning percentage, give or take uh, a few percentage points. They played two be. games in 1888. They played four <laughs> games in 1889. They didn't play any games in 1890. That was a civil war. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, you, Gregory, you took it off the rails. I was going to ask some questions here, and now we're we're digging into 1800s. I mean, I'm things. dealing with uh, bots, and the, this is just off the rails, off the cuff show on June 22nd today. This is uh, there's some great bots in the chat. I mean, my son's 16th birthday. How about that? He is uh, legal age to drive, which is absolutely frightening, terrifying. Has he uh, driven off by himself yet? No, no, he's uh, he's on a a mission trip, so he's not. Oh, uh, he'll wait till that happens. Yeah, wait, right. Wait till he says, "Give me the keys," yeah. and you're like, uh, no. "No," and he's like, "I can drive." It's it's terrifying. <laughs> uh, let's get into it. A couple more questions before we get out of here on the beat live, Greg Gregory. Um, fun times on June 22nd, the day after the longest day of the year. This is the longest show ever. Uh, are they going to rotate quarterbacks, Greg? Longo offered nothing. He basically could have said, just refer to my spring practice. But is it conceivable or inconceivable that there's some set rotation that this crowd has? I think that is the key wording there, Tommy. Um, I, I expect them to use both quarterbacks. Now, is it going to be set? I would think not. Um, we'll have to see how things play out. But I would be surprised if we get in October, we haven't seen a good bit of both guys. Now, you know, if, if one of the two steps in and maybe they go to Boone and it's just lights out, freakish. Okay, well, that answers your question. Uh, but they, they think both these guys are really good. Um, and so I, I suspect they'll play both of them because with them not having really played before, there's going to be some highs and lows. Um, and you don't want to get into that Notre Dame, Notre Dame game with only one guy having played, and maybe that guy struggles. Maybe those two interceptions early. Well, now you got to go to the other guy to let the other guy rest, and he hadn't played any. So um, it would be fascinating if it is a set rotation. I don't expect it to be, but I do think both guys will play, you know, especially first four games that are of non-conference. Did Drake remind you of Luke at all today? A little bit. He's, he's, uh, you know, Luke was not that outgoing and not that confident as a youngster. It's By a different world he, now. It is. By the time he got to be a senior, Luke was kind of like that. So you can see some of the similarities. Uh, but they, they, it's funny. They are both much more, uh, lively than their dad, which, uh, which I get a kick out of. But he, he certainly has some of the same mannerisms. Crazy athletic trio oh, yeah. of sons and that's just nuts yeah. uh let's look at the uh i think they both play and i think this talk of if you don't have one quarterback you have none i think they've got to have both of them for the reasons you said greg um they have no experience uh you got to get them both playing time because if you get deep in the season or even in that notre dame game on i believe september 24th and something bad happens and you throw in somebody that's never played 
it could be um, ugly. All right. Tommy got breaking news from a well-placed source. Um, average win total <laughs> in the modern era is just under six wins. What so, defines modern era? Way uh, past Tommy's, Tommy's lifetime? I don't know. Yeah, 71. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly Bef- not since 98 or whenever B- you were born. BTA and after TA, before Tommy <laughs> Ashley, after Tommy Ashley. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That is not fun, man. I'm old and y'all keep hitting. No, I'm not old. I'm getting older. I don't want to offend my You're man almost retiring. Old. I'm getting close. Very close. Uh, can you guys talk about special teams? I know it's not sexy. Speaking of the bots we've got in the room. Greg's but, a big special teams guy. But it's so damn important to winning and losing. Didn't I see a tweet that Carolina has the most missed field goals in FBS since whenever? Yes. I thought Alabama is... held that record for a while. No, they just they just hold the record for most missed meaningful field goals. No, they actually admit – go look it up. Alabama oh, missed I, like I 99 have, field goals. I have no idea. But, yes, I did see that tweet as well. I don't know if it's accurate or anything like that. David Hell, I think, is the one that put it out. So he's oh, he's okay. pretty accurate with that stuff. How important are they going to be this year, Greg? And who is it? Is it – It's Kim, Kim, right? Is Jonathan Kim going to do it all? Is it one of these guys we haven't heard about? I mean, Mac loves some special teams. Wants to win the special teams game. Carolina didn't win it too much last year. Yeah, I didn't do all my research on special teams, so I'm, I'm going to have to – We, didn't, we um, didn't speak to the special teams coordinator today. He was out of town. That's right. Okay, valid uh, excuse. So that question but, can wait, or you can pontificate. <laughs> no, yeah, I think Kim's expected to be, to be the guy. However, uh, we talked about talent. We talked about depth. And where you really see that play out is on special teams. The coverages. Correct. And so uh, I don't have the up-to-date – info on the specialists uh we know josh downs of course is going to be the punt returner uh but in terms of the the teams themselves the cover teams that should all kind of take a step forward and i I think that's important and that comes with with depth and all those things interesting stuff uh what else we got let me see if there's one more football question i was gonna say we can switch to a little bit of we'll talk a little basketball we don't want to the Coast to Coast podcast covered the most recent basketball sure. news heavily, but I do want to get you guys' opinions. Uh, but last question, and keep it short answers. What's, what position group could improve the most? Gregory. It's got to be OL. has to be. If it's not, this team's in trouble. Can I say wide receiver? Even though yeah. Josh Downs did what he did? I, I – not wide receivers not named Josh Downs, but even Josh Downs can improve. I think I'm going to go with wide receiver because my hesitancy with offensive line is that the run game was good. So the only, not the only, but like obviously their sack allowing needs to be better, right? Like it just has to. It, 48, whatever the number is, it's an absurd number. Um, but I, I think most poised is guys like Antoine Green, JJ Jones, Bryson Nesbitt will be a big part of that. Gavin, like I, so I'm going with offensive line, and then my second would be offense. Or I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not going with offensive line. I'm going with wide receivers. Second would be offensive line, and then third would probably be defensive line, um, just because stopping the like run defense does need to improve on the front at the front. And pressure on the quarterback needs to improve as well. And I think those guys can get it done. So that's my three tier. Wide receivers, OL, DL. 
Let, let, okay, Greg, to the offensive line point that Gregory makes, the run game was very good. What if you take Sam Howe and retract him to the mean for a normal Russian quarterback? I know you Ty can't. Chandler. Ty Chandler had 1,000 yards. I'm aware, but who else did anything besides British Brooks to end the season if you take away Sam Howe? I think it's got to be offensive line. Go ahead, Greg. Speak truth. Yeah, and one of the things – with Phil's offense and it's kind of a spread offense phenomenon because Larry Fedora went through this as well is we look at the national rankings and we're all, especially in the off season, we're all crazy impressed and the numbers are good. Um, but one thing we saw with Larry is, you know, against weaker teams, he would absolutely light those guys up and it would really inflate the stats. And then you get into some games against good teams and the offense just couldn't produce when it mattered. And I think we saw that quite a bit last year. And yeah, Virginia Tech's a good example. Virginia Tech wasn't great, but they were solid and they were physical. And they out-physicaled Carolina really on both sides of the, of the field. Um, and so you really had to kind of dive into the numbers and say, okay, well, how did they perform in these critical down situations against some better teams? And they really were hit or miss. Um, so – you know, Stacey Cyril's is a unique case because I think a lot of people were ready for him to go and he ends up going to Georgia, the national champions, which <laughs> speaks to the craziness of, of college football coaching. Right. Um, but I, I think if you look at this team as a whole, the interesting component is I mean, you can make a case for a lot of positions that they have to get a lot better, especially in the defensive side of the ball. Granted injuries played a role with cornerbacks and, and safety as well. Um, but I think offensive line, what did we say last year that for North Carolina to, to be able to make up for some of their losses, uh, you know, with Michael Carter and Javante and Diami and Daz, the offensive line really had to be stout and they really had to drive that offense to success early until all the other pieces came along. It didn't happen. Uh, and I, I kind of think the same thing this year. I mean, you, you do have some more veterans, but you don't have Ty Chandler back. You really, you, British is your guy right now. Um, so, and then you've got, you don't have Sam Howe back there either. So I do think the OL is kind of number one, but I, I think there's a lot of spots on this team that can get a lot better, which is kind of scary because you know, the team should have won eight games last year. And we're talking about there being a lot of positions that should be a lot better. Interesting take. Gregory Hall, basketball news. Is this a championship? Roster is full. Is it a champion? And we'll keep this short because, like I said, Joey and and Sherelle and Sean hit on it on, on their podcast. Um, that's a must listen. And shout out to the state fan that's coming to the chat. We appreciate you spending your Wednesday night in the Inside Carolina podcast. Always fun to have um, you guys join us. Uh, is it national championship or bust at this point, Gregory and Greg? I mean. No, like you tell me if UNC gets the elite eight, it's going to be like, oh, terrible season. Like, that's what I think when you are like, you know, like that's just what I think when it comes to that. And now I think it's like 30 wins or bust. Is that fair? 30 wins or bust. Is that fair? That's a lot many, of wins. How many games do you play in with postseason? How many did they play last year? 40. They played okay. 39 last year. Oh, okay. Then like 28 or bust, you know, like a championship or bust. I don't get into, I don't 
I'm not, no, I'm not a fan of championship or bust, but I do think this is a very talented roster. I think it's a, oh, I mean, it's gotta be a more talented roster at this point in the season than it was, or at this point in the year than it was at the same time last year. Right. Just based on the way we saw guys kind of come along and play, um, especially Caleb down the stretch. And I mean, RJ doing what he like, you know, so, I mean, Pete Nance, I think is very good. Um, excited to kind of see what the freshman can do. Not sure what the roles will be, but Hubert Davis made that very clear. He doesn't either. So championship or bust. No, I'm not buying that. I'm, I'm, I'm selling championship or bust. If that's a thing. Okay. Well, we might have to talk, but about I do that think 28 is the line. That's my over under 27 and a half. Boom. Interesting tight. Greg. Carolina was an eight seed that barely made the tournament until the last week of the season, went on a great run, and now the expectations are through the roof. Hubert Davis coached last season with little to no expectation other than the normal Carolina expectations early, and it didn't work out well. And then when there were no expectations, the team took off. How does he manage? He talked about the noise, blocking out the noise last year, how they were terrible that noise now it's blocking out the noise this year about the the expectations he's had a lot to do in his first two seasons quite frankly and more so than any coach that I can remember how does he do it how does he manage now the other end of the spectrum from last year yeah that's a great point Tom and I really think it's just um he's just gonna have to work through it and I think he had success with sticking to his message last year and even though a lot of people had North Carolina written off really by the time that pit game came around, uh, he, he stayed true and he switched things up. You know, the, the big story there was you know, after some of the bad losses, Wake Forest, Miami, he was like nice to the guys. And they were like, what's going on here? We well, finally got mad after the pit game. And one thing that he talked about last week is he's actually going to be able to push these guys harder. And the same thing Roy Williams said when he came back in 03. Is that first year you're really trying to fill them out? You're really trying to figure out, hey, what, what's it take? What buttons do I need to push? And once Roy did that, what happened the next year? Mm-hmm. They won a national championship. Um, I think that team probably had more, more talent. Um, but regardless, we can have that conversation later. So I think it really is kind of a, a matter of him trusting what took place last year understanding what he can do as a coach because he did a good job really closing the year. Um, but it's a lot easier coaching guys and saying, Hey, they stink. They think you stink. I don't think so. You shouldn't think so. Let's, let's, let's prove them wrong. Right. That's pretty easy to do. You can do that with elementary kids, schools, elementary school kids. But what happened with the football team last year, preseason top 10, all this hype, and it came crashing down. It was not managed well. Right. And you know, Max acknowledged that. Um, and so that's the challenge of when these guys, you know, Armando's doing TV shows on Netflix. And you hey, that have, show's good. Don't you don't slander. I haven't bank. seen it. My, my son loves it. Um, <laughs> oh, God. But, and he's turning 16 and yeah. here I am talking about it. Uh, but with all the NIL stuff, there's a lot of things to manage, especially when you've had success. And so that's just all part of the, the learning process. You're right. He's had a ton to deal with. Um, he did a good job you, when it mattered last year. 
So you he can really build off of that. Hubert's a sharp guy. I will say people don't like to hear it. Uh, UCLA, very similar to what happened. And I think I think the key point about UCLA is if you watched them last year and you watched that Sweet 16 game against Carolina, that was a heck of a team. They were really good. Mick Cronin did a great job with that club. However, even though they made a unexpected run the year before to the Final Four, they didn't win the Pac-12. They didn't win the Pac-12 tournament, and they only got to the Sweet 16. So if Carolina follows that path this year, would you consider them having a down year? That's Um, a bust. You see, that's a tough question. They need one of the three, right? You would think. But that's, you know, again, I think UCLA was very good last year. They just couldn't get over the hump in certain aspects. And uh, that doesn't mean Mick's a bad coach. It just really speaks to how difficult you winning at this level is when you're talking about trying to get to the Final Four and trying to win titles. Yeah, like that's why I kind of go back. Championship or bust, because getting those six wins in a row, so much needs to happen, right? Um, and... I can't, I still can't believe that UNC was four points away from national championship. Like that's still crazy to me to think about. So that's why like my whole, like no championship or bust. Now someone had mentioned, and we just kind of talked about as far as ACC regular season, ACC tournament, national champion, one of the three probably, or instead of national championship final four, one of the three has to happen when the ACC regular season, win the tournament or get to the final four, if those first two don't happen, then people are going to be like a tournament runs got to happen. Like the, the regular season weren't champions, didn't do well in the tournament. Like, so if it gets to that point, then it kind of be like, give us something because we know what this team is capable of, right? So that's kind of where I think things things leave there heading into the, I don't even know, next semester. I mean, it's basketball season's in November, so. That's crazy, but it'll <laughs> be, I mean, it flies by. Uh, I mean, yeah, so what you're saying, Gregory, is you have not booked your hotels in Houston yet. I um, mean, or your Airbnb, but I know a lot of people. Is that where it there. is, Houston? It is in Houston this year. Um, I don't know if you can top New Orleans for a variety of reasons. But, Never been uh, to Houston. Yeah, yeah, you you probably have. It was just a different town and different name. It's all the you same. Mean, what do you mean? I probably have. What does it's that nothing special in a Houston. Lot of cement. <laughs> really? And <laughs> what is it? The RJ in the RJ Dome or whatever it is yeah. out away from the city. Anyway. It's been fun. Gregory, um, I'm going to put you on spot. You mentioned in a tweet that the last on the beat podcast, it's not the last on the beat podcast we'll ever do. I meant that as, and two people responded like, what do you mean? I meant that as like a wrap up of the thing. But for those watching, I have i'm moving out west you know the imaginary girlfriend is out west i have officially received and taken accepted an offer to be out there in southern california for a a different job that is not inside carolina um so for me this potentially could probably probably is my last on the beat unless kind of can work some things out with my new job and, and things like that but it's been a it's been a pleasure fellas as we've kind of grown this show. And I mean, it is June 22nd and we've had peak at like almost 200 people watching. Right. And we've had 
thousand plus watching us on random day in the final four and uh, Roy Williams retiring. And we've gone live for some crazy stuff in the last 18 months. So it's been, it's been wild, but for those watching, I am gotten a job and I will be, uh, I guess I can tell people what the job is now. I'll be with the Los Angeles angels. I am being called up to the bigs and I will be <laughs> doing that for the foreseeable future. So I uh, appreciate everyone watching and everything and Tommy and Greg and whoever else joins on the beat. Maybe you guys can, maybe Ross can fill, fill in for me. How about that? Ross can get on the beat for you. And, uh, but yes, so that is my Tommy putting me on the spot news. So thank you to everyone who has watched and listened to me ramble and give long answers like the one I'm giving right now. So no more Greek, no more grease flag. This, this may be the last on the beat live because I have no clue how to do the live. Stuff. <laughs> I don't know if Tommy does there, or not. There's a step-by-step list of instructions. I've right created. We, we I, have, I, don't, I don't prep and I don't follow directions very well. We have leaned on Gregory for, for this kind of stuff for a long time. So he's going to be missed both in uh, uh, personality uh, more so even in contribution. So uh, Good luck, Gregory. We're going to hate not having you on weekly. We will have you on. Don't, don't worry. You're, oh, yeah. you're part I of the pl- team, I plan so, on it. Uh, I'm bringing yeah. the headset. Uh, Michelle can't take this headset from me. I'm bringing the headset to L.A. Um, Orange <laughs> well, County is where it's at. So, Well, we want a podcast with Shohei Otani and Mike Trout <laughs> to talk a little Carolina sports. Maybe, maybe they're big UNC fans, and I can be like, you know, I know a podcast that would love to talk ball with you. So uh, and um, the, the commitment to the imaginary girlfriend is just spectacular. I mean, to, to go so far as to get a job in another part of the country. But, uh, hey, he's showing pictures. If you're on the YouTube chat, we have now met who's been in the chat. If anyone's uh, in LA or uh, Orange County and wants to come to an Angels game, and you know my Twitter, hit me up. Interesting. Look, I'll, I'll say this. Um, you know that when I tell my child, that Gregory's leaving and he is sad. Uh, you know, the imprint you've made on all of us on inside Carolina. I'm not going to make you cry. Like Jim Hawkins did. Greg, I called Jim today. That man, he put <laughs> me through the ringer. I mean, what a guy, Jimbo. He is. Absolutely. Yep. Anyway, we're not going to get into the, get into the fields and all, but it's been a pleasure, my brother. Uh, it has you been. We joke a lot about being old and young and all that, but you've been pretty awesome. And it was fun to sit out and drink a beer in the Bosch and watch a few baseball games over the past couple of years. I know you learned a lot from the man on the podcast oh, here with us. So uh, much. I wouldn't be moving out west without that man below on my screen. So carried on. He he got you to chase the imaginary ring, and uh, hopefully the angels can bring you a real one when you're out there. But good for you, my man. Thank you. You've been listening to On to Be Live. There will be more. I promise you we can figure out how to run this thing without him. We we will get the hamsters down in the basement to get the wheels spinning and we'll do more on the beat lives without Gregory Hall. It will be it will go on. The beat will go on. Greg Barnes, Gregory Hall, Johnny T-shirt as always. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. We'll see you. <laughs>